0: This is Structured Rambling, a podcast about ideas from literature and about literature. Episodes can focus on a single text or a theme from multiple texts. My name is Paul Sons to me. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to the Structured Rambling Podcast, one of the few podcasts this week you will listen to, made by a Canadian not debating the purpose of the monarchy. Well, I don't even know, but I'm guessing. Do you want to know my opinion? Too bad. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I am talking about Westworld, the HBO series Westworld, which is so far produced four seasons uh, on the HBO channel and streaming services. HBO Max. I sound like an advertiser. I don't watch HBO Max. I get Crave once in a while, and I wanted to watch the new season of Westworld, so that's what I did. HBO. It's a specific kind of TV, so specific that its motto has long been that it is not TV, it's HBO. I remember in the late 1980s, when some people were still calling it the home box office, in early 1990s, being able to watch HBO and... The Disney Channel. And this is when like your Ryan Reynolds's and your, your Justin Timberlake's and your Britney Spears's and your Christine is. I don't know if it was a Ryan Reynolds or Gosling. I don't even remember. But anyways, they were all on Disney Channel. The Mickey Mouse Club. And I could watch them for free. Because I lived close enough to the United States that our TV uh, antennas could just pull these VIP channels out of the sky. We didn't have cable. Until I was 15 or so, but we had HBO. So what did I learn from being able to see shows like Dream On, Tales from the Crypt, and the Larry Sanders show at way too young an age? Well, I knew even then that HBO had huge production money. It also had lots of sex and nudity, and I sometimes only understood less than half of what was going on. Across the 90s and into this new century, shows like Sex and the City, The Sopranos, The Band of Brothers in the Pacific, and The Wire changed the TV landscape, reaching a zenith with Game of Thrones. There have been some great HBO shows. My favorites include Rome, The Watchmen, uh, True Detective, The aforementioned Band of Brothers, and Game of Thrones, including the final season come at me bro these are expensive star-studded shows they are often soft porn but when it's good it's some of the best tv out there but it can also be so very try hard there are people who watch everything on hbo i don't i've never seen deadwood or boardwalk empire though I'm interested, and I never in my life saw a single episode of The Sopranos. I'm sorry. But I was intrigued when Westworld first began because I had creepy memories of an old movie. Uh, Obviously, I didn't see it originally. It came out before I was born. But uh, there's a 1973 movie called Westworld based on a Michael Crichton book. The premise is very simple, and the show follows it, at least at first. In the future, a Wild West theme park allows the wealthy to live out their cowboy fantasies. The hosts are cyborgs, robots that look and uh, feel, apparently, human. But then there's a glitch, and the hosts start killing the guests. What I remember best is how creepy Ewell Brenner is as the gunslinger, a robot host on a murderous rampage. His performance really anticipated, uh, ten years later, Schwarzenegger's as the Terminator, um, just as Michael Crichton was anticipating his own novel, Jurassic Park, with the concept of Westworld. That concept is simple, and one that Jurassic Park, in all of its franchise forms, has continued to tread and retread. That is a fantasy park, full of old-fashioned or ancient dangers, breaks loose, kills guests. The thing that Westworld, not West Wing, not Westward, the thing Westworld in tv has become hung up on right from episode one is artificial intelligence and sentience and things like that when computers that serve us become self-aware what do they do well usually they try to survive and that survival often has them writing us off and trying to massacre us the terminator franchise did it the matrix franchise did it aspects of the lore of frank herbert's dune does it isaac asimov's robot stories and so many other franchises use this concept so do siri alexa and hey google but perhaps i've said too much so the reason i'm recording this episode is because when westworld is good it's superb but when it isn't wow is it ever bad so that is it's it's like a microcosm of all things hbo and sadly the seasons have come to reflect this because although season four which just came out this summer is better than season three that's just because season three was so bad the show has got progressively worse and yet i've stuck around Without a doubt, the first season is the best. It has the best moments, the best performances, the best intrigue, and the best surprises. It is also truest to the original concept. Every other moment in the show gets compared to Season 1, and rightly so. Season 2 is fascinating and curious, but is way past the original concept, really. Season 3, it just simply sucks. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Season four attempts to return to the glories of season season one, but has to get around seasons two and three. And like any show that has gone on for too long or any film franchise that has had too many entries, season four has lots of characters saying something like, here we go again. As well, with a cast this diverse, you have to always find things for them to do. And that's not always all that interesting, especially in the third and fourth seasons. But it's it's in a way worse in the fourth season because there are characters who didn't show up in season three who are awkwardly brought back in season four. In season one, we're introduced to the Park West world uh, in the future where the wealthy can pay to interact with stories and cyborg cowboys and cowgirls guests can be as busy as heroic as hedonistic as they like it's sort of an extreme version of uh, video games online video games or larping and virtual reality and disneyland all rolled together and just as evil as disneyland very quickly mysteries are established the creator uh, and manager a man named dr ford who is played by anthony hopkins who is as captivating as usual appears to have his own agenda ed harris's strange and lethal man in black is digging into the deep quests of the game uh, on the outside of of the actual game are jeffrey wright's bernard and liam hemsworth's uh, security chief Stubbs. Um, they're there in the first season to keep things copacetic and on the inside, the hosts, the cyborgs, are becoming troubling, troublingly sentient and anxious, and in many cases, murderous. Tessa Thompson is brilliant as Charlotte Hale, the cliche, despicable power broker, although her story, like Wright's, becomes more complicated as the series wears on. The three most important hosts on the inside in Westworld itself. In the first season are James Marsden's Teddy, and especially the chief protagonists, Dolores and Maeve, played respectively by Evan Rachel Wood and uh, Tandui Newton. I don't know if it's the writing and the directing, the characterization, or the actors themselves, but Wood and Newton pull performances in completely opposite directions, considering they kind of have similar motivations. Both are hosts who become self-aware and seek freedom, although that part of their story gets muddier with each subsequent season. Evan Rachel Wood's Dolores is the main protagonist, but I have a lot of trouble engaging with this character. And even in the first season, I I just, I just, I found her, I don't know if it was her performance, the writing or what, I just found it stiff or wooden. If you like the perf- oh, now I'm going to have to make a right joke about Jeffrey Wright. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I- I'm not going to pun. So let's just call it stiff. Uh, the performance is so stiff, so breathy. Most of the actors in this show perform like she does slowly over dramatically and with big size and this seems to be a common thing in a lot of the dramas on um hbo this is well and on tv f- f- on a whole this was what makes hopkins so good this is what makes peter dinklage so good in in game of thrones is they break out of that whispery norm like i i really liked um kit harrington as john Snow. But how often does he talk in a way that doesn't sound like this? The firm whisper that is the cornerstone of HBO drama. Jeffrey Wright is also very bad for it, but his character is more interesting to me, at least at first. Only Hopkins, of course, Harris at times, and most significantly Newton are able to escape the whisper talk cliche. Newton's Maeve is way more fun for me than Dolores, although... She's eventually almost an unstoppable Mary Sue. And so it gets dull when she beheads an enemy with a katana, looks up at a companion and says, something quippy and sarcastic, darling. I love that this show is anchored by two strong female leads, but Maeve's transition is the better one. She is um, a mistress in a whorehouse, essentially a living sex doll, but she can recall a role before she was repurposed for this as a mother in a tragedy and her initial quest is to gain more knowledge of her lost life and especially of her daughter maeve dolores and bernard's respective narratives all speak to one of the show's best features its ability to create mystery harris's man in black is a lovely lethal expression of this he starts as a repeat customer obsessed with easter eggs within the game uh with finding this special hidden quest over time he becomes something well his story becomes something else as each season goes on and by seasons three and four he's one of a large group of characters like Hemsworth Stubbs who it's like they don't have ideas for but they do have actors on contract for and so they have to try to honor them they feel just slapped in there Westworld is amazing at creating mystery but it doesn't always stick the landing some twists are great some are meh and some don't go anywhere The Bernard twist in season one remains one of the series best, but the rest of the series, every season, is so dramatically affected by this that his character at times becomes tedious. Um, Bernard is defined as before the twist and after the twist, uh, and there's a lot more seasons after the twist, and he's less interesting after the twist, sadly. Harris's Man in Black is uh, a twist compounded by a twist, and very few of those twists work. For much of seasons one and two, we're supposed to accept that he looked like Jimmy Simpson when he was younger. Those two actors do not look anything alike. It's just, it feels like such a schmat when we find that out. Most of the mysteries and cliffhangers look really cool, but you get the sincere feeling that they're created for wow effect without an answer in place because the answers are rarely satisfying or even comprehensible. The rule of writing a mystery, as all great mystery writers and J.K. Rowling can tell you, is start with where you want to end up and then work backwards. I don't think the Westworld writers do this. All the various narratives and mysteries of season one essentially work even if the whole season ends up with a cliffhanger that all of season two is spent explaining and defining. Dolores and Maeve, along with a handful of of other hosts, become self-aware and start to see the tricks that keep their narratives in place. Ford is fighting the board of directors and has decided to make a rather dramatic and eventually deadly change to the park. Many of the individual stories are less satisfying, but the Ford twist sets up the second season and basically um, it powers through it. The second season reflects mostly the second half of the 1973 film when the park turns on its guests. I don't like this as much as Season 1's intrigue, but at the end of the day, Season 2 has some great moments of messing with what you think is going on at what time, and it does keep you guessing. It also introduces a Japanese world, showing that Westworld can have a bigger overall experience. This is sometimes not exploited, and sometimes it shows up. It gets way too philosophic and tragic by the end of season two. But one aspect the show, uh, that the show is interested in exploring is the age-old question of what constitutes life. Does consciousness constitute life? This is an old trope when AI becomes self-aware and it interferes with human life. This is, this is a concept in Asimov's robot novels uh, with their rules and their questions. Season two ends with such finality. I was surprised when season three was even released. I was even more surprised with where it went. Many characters are written out, though the man in black is put in in a ridiculously ham-fisted way, in my opinion. Aaron Paul is added as a character who doesn't add much. He's there for us to sympathize with in seasons three and four, but he, you know, it doesn't do much for us Dolores and Maeve are on a James Bond or John Wick level of Invincible in seasons three and four but worst of all there's no Westworld in the third season of Westworld there's a brief fascist Italy world but this season is about the world that created Westworld the near future and there there's heaps of AI navel gazing and us versus them season three sucks And I thought it killed the show, but I'm a sucker, and I showed up for Season 4 after I saw the previews. I know, I know, I'm a sad human. Season 4 is a desperate attempt to return to some of Season 1's glories. Westworld is now Mobster World, ignoring that Chicago, like Japan, is East. But I'll give them this much credit, it's not a reboot. Season 3 lingers, especially in the robot survival vein. But many of the characters and actors from seasons 1 and 2 who were written out or destroyed or killed are brought back. And not very smoothly. It's really too bad, seeing as uh, there are new characters as well and the writers appear stumped with what to do with everyone the issue with the man in black stretches to even dolores and bernard dolores's narrative in season four takes forever to go anywhere and both she and bernard the stars of the first two seasons are missing for whole episodes early on james marsden's teddy who is absent since season two is teased and then almost forgotten this is a weird way to bring back a star from the earlier seasons the only interesting narratives are Maeve and Charlotte's as Maeve introduces the she's the one who with whom with Paul's character we see the the new gangster Westworld but again she's so unbeatable it's a little lame the first second she's in uh Chicago this this new Westworld if we can call it that she gets shot, and then she's fine seconds later. Yes, she's a cyborg, but like, slow her down a little. Partly, it's because I find it lame because Newton is one of the actors I like best in this show. And with Hopkins out uh, completely by season three, and Harrison Wright being almost completely without purpose by season three, Maeve is the only one all that thrilling even if she is unstoppable and overpowered like Neo in the second Matrix movie. Thompson's Hale, is, she's, she gets a cool narrative, but after season three, um, she's underused. And, and she was underused even before that, so it's hard to engage with her. Almost the rest of the cast, including the narr- new characters, appear to be there to deliver exposition to, to tell what's going on. And one feels sorry for Hemsworth and Paul as they're at best trying to pull away from the thousand mile stares and whisper cliches that Wright and Wood mire their performances in. One of the consistently best things about the show, though, is the music. No shock as it's composed by uh, Ramin Jawadi. Jawidi? I think that's how you say it. He's the genius behind the Game of Thrones Uh, music the main title of westworld is every bit as catchy as his one for game of thrones but the coolest part is how he takes popular songs of the past 30 years and converts them to instrumental pieces in the early season's Uh, their player piano bits like you know you would hear in a cliched bar in the old west there's lots of radiohead there's sound gardens black hole sun there's the animals house of the rising sun two sun songs i don't know why and the like there's an east indian instrumental version of the white stripe seven nation army and season four sees a jazz version of metallica's enter sandman which is there to replace um The Rolling Stones Painted Black, which always plays when the bad guys show up to steal a safe from the bar. And the same thing happens in the gangster version as in the Old West version. I'm not going to lie. The music was one of the main reasons that I showed up for season four. And one of the few ways it didn't disappoint me. And one of the ways that it was a return to form. Because season three didn't have as good a music as the other three seasons. Westworld Season 1 was a triumph, and though it didn't have a sophomore slump, the second season is just a really long denouement and an ending so destructive that Season 3 was almost an impossibility, and when made possible, it sucked. Nope, no sophomore slump, but definitely a junior year crash and burn. And for senior year, a definitive attempt to go back to the glory days of freshman year. I think. I think my metaphor works. I don't really understand American high school grades very well. And maybe shouldn't have used the sophomore slump cliche. But there you are. Like far too many forms of entertainment. Those of us who stick around only do so because of nostalgia for that good first dose. In this case... When the West World was still wild. And West, for that matter. I want to thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed my podcast, please feel free to give me a rating and review. Episodes come out at the beginning and middle of pretty much every month. Have a great day.